0: This is the Solutions for Climate Revolution podcast. My name is Francesca and my guest today is Steph Wright. Steph is the CEO of Gusto Homes, the market-leading, award-winning group of companies pioneering the sustainable development of homes in Nottinghamshire. Steph has built the Gusto brand from the ground up, encompassing the full cycle of building from development to design and building. You are also the owner of a manufacturing factory that you initially bought your rainwater harvesters from, and you have designed your own heat recovery waste pipe. You were one of the first in the UK to own an electric vehicle, you are plant-based, and you live in one of your sustainable homes that you have built. It is your mission to provide people with fantastic quality of life that enables them to use less energy and resources. You started your journey at a young age helping your parents to build their home Could you talk about your journey from then to now and is it true you paid your way through college running a mobile disco?
1: (laughs) Good morning, Uh, yes it is true, Uh, which is why I didn't. uh, wasn't very successful at college in terms of getting the grades uh, because I never had time to uh, do the classwork because I was always too busy out running mobile discos so uh, yeah that is absolutely true.
0: It's a wonderful story.
1: Yes, yeah, so I, I started off in business, I, I mean, really, right from the age of uh, 16, 17, I think I've always had a fascination of business and always wanted to run my own business and uh, make my own things happen in life. Um, to start with, I went to college and did an electrical engineering course, actually, with the REMI, which is a Royal electrical mechanical engineers. Um, in Newark, and that gave me uh, a little bit of an understanding of a trade, really, I suppose. Uh, so I was always interested then in trades, and then I went to London, worked as a DJ uh, for a while, and whilst I was down there, I helped a friend, actually, um, not, not with parents, it was uh, a friend of ours who had bought a house in Kilburn, and was doing some renovation work to the house, uh, and I helped them... Uh, do the renovation work, and that got me interested in building, Um, and then I came back from London, worked in a factory for six months uh, as a machine feeder, uh, making bearings in a factory called uh, LSK. and uh, after six months working there, I decided to go to college uh, and do a building diploma. Uh, In in order to pay for my route through college, I'd always sort of worked really in odd jobs and weekend jobs since very young age, probably since 13 or 14. I'd worked in the garage, I'd I'd paper rounds, Uh, I worked at a a chicken factory uh, packing eggs at weekends. So I'd always done some form of other job. Uh, And um, so I bought a mobile disco and started DJing. pay my way through college and that was really my first proper business and uh, the upside of that was that I always had more money than anybody else at college because I was working four or five nights a week. Uh, The downside was that uh, I didn't have much time to sleep so quite often I'd turn up at college before the sleep in the car. (laughs) park.
0: Wow what a journey it just shows how much of a self-starter you are and you you've always been interested in innovation is that
1: right? yeah i think the i think to start with it was interesting in in business and uh, how businesses work uh and and then once I started building then I was obviously really uh, i left college and started uh, my own building company up but a wheelbarrow and an old van uh, and then after a few years, I managed to get a bank loan very very easily actually in those days uh, from Barclays to uh, buy A building that I could split into three apartments. I remember walking into the bank and uh, just having a chat with the bank manager, and him saying, "Yeah, no problem. Uh, We can lend you the money." And he lent me about what it was now uh, eight to nine thousand pounds. Uh, And no, it's probably a bit more than that. I borrowed uh, and then bought this property and, and split this property into three apartments. Sold two of the apartments and kept one. And really carried on from there and then bought more properties uh, and renovated them. did a lot of barn conversions. So a lot of sort of attention to detail in terms of building, understanding how buildings go together, uh, understanding it right through from you know, the design through to all the different aspects of actually uh, building. So you know, not, not that I'm very good at the practical side of it, but you know, I did turn my hand to, to everything because that was how it needed to be. Uh, And then my brother joined me, Uh, he was traveling around Australia uh, and doing lots of other stuff. Uh, And he'd he'd actually been down the pit and he was a miner uh, during the miners' strike. Uh, And so he decided to uh, come and work with me. And he's very much good at the practical side of everything. So between us, we've managed to uh, build the companies that we've now got, which is um, uh, a range of companies. So we've got an architect's practice called SGA. Uh, They do all the design for the Gusto uh, homes but also do lots of other work for other clients as well. So we're very much into retirement developments, uh, education buildings, uh, and obviously the sustainability aspect of what we do through Gusto Homes. So that's our architect's practice. Uh, We've got a proper construction company, so we employ uh, our own trades. Uh, and obviously work with a load of um, very good local uh, subcontractors, uh, and then we have our uh, new homes business, uh, which we buy land uh, and design the sites and do all the development and sales for for all our, our new properties. Um, and then we partner, actually, with uh, other org- organisations as well. So we're just starting now to partner with local authorities. We've just done a partnership with a housing association. We did 36 retirement departments uh, with a housing association. Uh, so that's the model that we want to sort of develop going forward. So, yeah, been interested in business uh, for a long time and done um, you know, quite a lot of diverse businesses.
0: That's a fascinating journey. I think it's, and this is the evolution of of your companies and this is the direction that you're going in at the moment. You want to become a community interest company, is that right?
1: Yeah, we're going to turn the Gusto Homes business into a community interest company. Uh, Effectively, what what is quite a simple thing to do Uh, and and what it does, it just basically locks down two thirds of the profit uh, to go back into community projects rather than going to the shareholders. Uh, so it just changes the focus of the business away from being a business that's, um, I mean, most businesses are there f- to make money for the shareholders and that's the purpose of a lot of companies. And there's nothing wrong with that purpose to a great extent. Um, but what this does, it means that you're balancing that purpose. So only one third of the revenue that the company makes uh, will go to the shareholders Uh, and the other two two thirds uh, go into whatever the chosen community project is Uh, and the community project that we've chosen for Gusto Homes uh, is to drive forward the concept of sustainable lifestyles so wherever we build a development uh, we want to put a lot of effort into working with local organisations close to that area uh, and really um, uh, raise the raise awareness around the whole agenda of uh, living in a more sustainable uh, manner, which is actually a great way to live. So it's, it, it's not a difficult sell, really, uh, to people to understand that actually, you know, life could be a lot better uh, if we lived it in a slightly different way. And in some ways, this the whole COVID nineteen crisis is uh, making people realise that. I think a lot of people are actually you know enjoying a slight change in focus
0: I couldn't agree more I think it's um it's such an an amazing time that we've been given i mean it's we have to honor those who have who have lost their lives and those fighting on the front line by i think living in ways that now actually honor the na- nature and our future so it's kind of we can we can actually take this as as a, as a lesson to be to really reassess the things that really I think matter in life and it's people and it's quality of life and that actually seems true to the type of development that you do because you're in Woodlands Edge and you actually design your houses around a community living space rather than just a house on a land where people can move to and find neighbours eventually you you design your buildings around a community a community feel
1: yeah, that's very much the starting point uh, of what we do, I suppose. Well, I, f- I first sort of branched off into the whole world of sustainable development about 20 years ago, just over well, probably 23, 24 years ago. Uh, so I bought a piece of land in a village called Collingham, and I'll I mean, I, I be absolutely honest up until that point, I'd never really heard the phrase sustainable development. I'd never explored what that meant. Uh, i would never given it a lot of thought. Uh, the way that the house building industry works is that the government sets out uh, a, a set of standard building regulations uh, and as developers and builders it's up to us then to build down to that minimum standard at minimum cost. So that's effectively how the house building industry works. Government sets the standards, uh, we as developers Buy pieces of land, we then work out how many houses we can get on that land uh, and the, we use the building regulations rather than as a, as a minimum, as it should be used, uh, we tended to use it as a maximum to say well I'm not going to build any better than that because I don't have to. Uh, so therefore uh, I've got to keep my costs under control and in some ways the unfortunate thing is that you have to be a little bit like that in the house building industry because you're competing to buy the same land as another developer. And inevitably, if you're building a better product, uh, which is gonna cost more to build, then your building costs are higher. And unless you can get more money for the house that you're building, then uh, you, you know, you, you, you're you not gonna make your business work. Um, and one thing, a phrase that I've used a lot over the years is there's nothing sustainable about going bust. You know, as a company, you have to make sure that your business model is a business model that generates a, a profit and a revenue. Now, where you use that profit uh, is up to you, but you have to have a business model that makes a profit, otherwise, it's not sustainable. I
0: completely um, so, agree.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, tw- so 25 years ago, um, know, yeah, probably 20, 1996, I would think, was when I first, uh, it, was, it was the time of the Rio Summit uh, and Local Agenda 21. And there was a lot of initiatives coming out of government, um, sort of, uh, globally, uh, about sustainability. And that was the first time I got an interest in it. Uh, I found this piece of land. I thought, I'd like to do an exemplar development on that land. I'd like to do something that's uh, a real game changer. Uh, and so I did a lot of research into all sorts of new technologies that were available. I spent time looking in, uh, across Europe. Uh, and there was a local project near us called the Hockton Housing Project. And they were, they were looking at building some earth shelter houses. Uh, so I was looking at what they were doing. Uh, And my approach to it was that I needed to build properties that were far, far better than the standard properties that were being built, Um, but I also needed to make sure that I could market the benefits of those uh, improvements to be able to make sure that I could sell the properties into the market because there was no government funding for what I was doing. I was just purely doing it as a speculative development. 20 odd years ago, we put in, this was the development's called Millennium Green. Uh, We put in rainwater harvesting systems on each property on the site. Really, at the time, it was the biggest development with rainwater harvesting systems in the whole of the UK. Uh, No other companies in the UK were doing rainwater harvesting systems, so I I was buying those in from Germany. Uh, All the properties had solar thermal uh, heating panels on on the roof to heat the hot water. Uh, and we used a couple of different types of uh, solar panels uh, on, on the roofs. Uh, we put um, heat recovery probably ventilation systems in the houses. We made the houses super airtight. Um, again, first these were the first houses really in the UK to get pressure tested. So we worked with Leeds University in terms of how to set up pressure testing for houses and make sure that houses weren't leaky.
0: Sorry, is that for passive house standards?
1: Well, that was to, we didn't go to Passive House standard, but that was to try to get uh, close to Passive House. Mm. Um, Yeah, so basically try to minimise the amount of air loss within the property, and then you control it through mechanical heat recovery ventilation systems. So, yeah, so a lot of that technology was way ahead of its time in in a lot of ways, and it meant it was very expensive for us. We had to source materials from... uh, far and wide, really, because they weren't available um, in the UK. Uh, Just simple things like cavity wall ties. You know, our cavity width on those houses uh, was 150 millimetres of uh, fully insulated cavity. Whereas at the time, the building reg standard required you to build about 50 millimetres of cavity. So obviously all the cavity ties, the bit of metal that goes between one leaf and another leaf of the building, between the brickwork and the blockwork, um, we needed them to be three times as long uh, and you can't buy them in the UK. So we had to very expensively source those in from I think, either Holland or Germany. Um, so yeah, a lot of challenges, but the Millennium Green uh, was eventually a success. Uh, we managed to sell the houses at a, at a premium, at a slight premium, not probably at a very big premium at the time um we we still put gas central heating systems in the houses because we felt that people needed to have the confidence in having a gas central heating system whereas now i just put very simple infrared heating panels the houses need so little heat that you don't need to put a gas central heating system in but 20 years ago i would have never ever sold a house if i hadn't put it in um you know the estate we talked to the estate agents at the time and, They made it very clear that uh, you've got to put large radiators and heating systems in, otherwise, people won't believe that you could have a house that didn't need a proper heating system.
0: It's quite Um, funny how. Sorry, interrupted.
1: Yeah, so it's. it's, Well, it is how our times have changed. Mm. I think, you know, and more TV programs looking at one off bills and and people sort of having aspirations uh, to they can see that you can build better houses, but the reality is, unless you've actually lived in one, you don't realize the benefit of it. You know, you might think, oh, are you gonna save a few quid a year in terms of your heating bill? I mean, people that live down here on the development, uh, their heating bills, not just heating, but heating, hot water, all their electricity, uh, with the feeding tariff they get, uh, they're living for free. Uh, The heating and hot water and lighting costs per year uh, are less than a pound a day.
0: Wow.
1: Just because the house is so efficient uh, and generates most of its own electricity. It's just incredible
0: what you're doing. And this is what you mean by your lifestyle technology. It's the the holistic encompassing of all the technologies working in synergy to create an environment that is not just beneficial for the people that live in it, but also the planet.
1: Yeah. And and, and there's a lot of, you know... uh, lifestyle benefits to live in a property like this Uh, and and I think it is difficult to get that message over to people because if people are used to living in uh, drafty houses that get cold at night then you don't realise you know what a luxury it is that the temperature in the house just stays static all the time you know it doesn't overheat and it doesn't uh, get too cold Uh, and the air quality is good in the house as well so yeah so but yes just to go back to me sort of uh, uh first project uh, so we built millennium green uh at the time the government was also doing a, a a launch of electric cars so they were working with Peugeot on a new type of electric vehicle uh, which basically Peugeot had converted their little uh, Peugeot 106 car and uh i think it was a Peugeot Boxster no not Boxster no, it, was a, it was a small van little uh, Escort type van and uh, they'd, they'd brought out some pure electric models so we ended up buying three of them. We got the biggest fleet in the UK at the time of electric vehicles wow. and uh, so I, one of my claims to fame is that I actually got um, fined for speeding in an electric car that had a top speed of 60 miles an hour, had a range of about 50 miles um, When it was cold in the winter and you had the heating on, uh, it used to use a little petrol engine to heat the uh, air up, uh, because the battery used so much electricity um, if you had the heating on. Mm. Uh, So yes, I was one of the first electric cars in the UK uh, in about 2000, and still now drive a BMW i3, so I've had lots of electric cars over the years. They're very cool. yeah so it's 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 basically i suppose a uh, an interest and a passion in technology looking as, as to what's coming down the pipeline in the future uh and trying to bring it all together in terms of your lifestyle and as a developer I suppose that's what we do you know we create uh, new communities and uh the opportunity for people to have new lifestyles and if you and if you design your development starting from the Focus of what is this community going to look like? How are you going to uh, design the houses <clears throat> around water flow, uh, around sunshine? Making sure you've got a lot of south-facing aspects, a lot of south-facing gardens, and uh, good spaces for people to live in, places for people to uh, meet up and, uh, and bump into each other when they come back home in the evening. So you haven't got everybody in their own separate sort of cellular boxes. You've got a Uh, You've got to design that community aspect into the heart of it and uh, our Woodlands Edge development is the the best example that we've done so far really and I've got a much larger development at uh, a village called Collingham, where I did my first uh, Millennium Green development 20 years ago. We're now building uh, about 150 properties on a much larger development. Uh, and on that development, we've got 60 retirement properties, we've designed putting a gym down there, so we're able to, we're going to have a, a no plastic shop down there wow. as well on the development, uh, a co-working space there so people can work close, close to where they live. So it's about basically designing those community aspects into a new development rather than just building boxes.
0: It's just, it just sounds so incredible. and I can totally see why you called one of your developments the future because it literally is. It's what not only, I think it's what people and planet need. I just, what do you think has been some of the, what one of the biggest hurdles for conventional developers? Is it because to not sort of engage with the the best practice that you're doing? Is it because that people are like you say, there, there's not the confidence in the new technologies. Do you think it's, it's, it's about making the most profit or it's, it's been like a combination of, of everything? It just could you, Do you know or could you sort of take a guess to why you think more conventional developers don't do the things that you do?
1: I, th- I think there's, there's lots of reasons. You, you know, it's easy to blame uh, governments and you know, it, it isn't one government. It's a series of governments. Mm. Uh, for not being brave enough in terms of uh, setting higher standards. Yeah. Uh, so I'd say that's one, one reason. Um, yeah, technologies, there's, there's always a reservation for many businesses to, to use new technologies. People like to do the same things they've all, all, always been doing, um, and that's the easiest route for everybody. Uh, I think our PLC house building model, is a failed model if you're just purely focused on generating maximum profit then you're going to end up with a, a minimum quality product and that's what we 've seen being built up and down the country
0: yeah and
1: it's it's criminal it is absolutely criminal really I, I mean that that is the future infrastructure of the country that's where people are going to live for the next uh, 10 years the next 50 years the next 100 years you know, we should be building uh, an infrastructure that is right for people, not right for short-term profit for uh, for PLCs. Now, in reality, I think there's good profit to be made out of building really good developments. People want to live in really good developments.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, at my Collingham development, uh, I, I sold 40 plots to another developer uh, who's built very standard houses. Uh, on, on the 40 plots he's built. So the total development size down there is 150 units, I think we'll have at the end. Uh, this, the other developers done 40 units and we're selling our solar, uh, passive solar houses uh, at a premium of at least 10, 15% over and above uh, what he's selling for. So people want to buy a better quality product Yes. Uh, and and you know why wouldn't they? People go to a garage and choose what car to buy mm. they don't all want to buy the cheapest car they want to buy a car that's going to give them the benefits that they want from that car then they, they might want to buy a Tesla because they want to buy an electric car they want to be uh, at the front edge of uh, technology they like the experience they get from driving a Tesla they like the technology they've got in it so why wouldn't you have the same mindset for, for buying a property? Um, it's a beautiful analogy. I like that. And, 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 and then there's obviously, you know, not everybody can afford uh, the top-end properties, but what we're trying to do is to make sure that all our properties, whether they're one-bedroom uh, first-time buyer properties, whether, whether they're one-bedroom uh, rent, rented uh, social rented properties, uh, they're all built to the, eventually to the same specification. So all our properties at Collingham, the one, two, three-bed uh, social rented properties, all have high-speed fibre into the home They're all wow. built to the same specification uh, as the rest of the houses on the site. Um, it's incredible.
0: It's just incredible. I think the the sort of, in my short time that I've been a town councillor, it's um, I've had the opportunity to meet a few developers and it's um chatting to them and it's it's very frustrating because not only do they 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 don't seem to have a willingness to want to go down and explore different avenues of technology but they that one one gentleman actually said to me he was just like we don't like ground source heat pumps because they're not efficient and I said to him, I said, with all due respect, do you mean it's because their return on investment is greater than three years? And he sort of laughed and chuckled and was like, well, yes, I don't want to, to spend the extra money. And talking to some, there are quite a few, develop- we've got the most develop- development happening um, in and around my town in Wimborne Minster in Dorset, um, across the whole um, county. And I just see more and more, it's like developers, it's it's like built-in obsolescence for houses. It's we're not going to we're not going to build to quality we're going to build to quantity and it's 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 very frustrating and i for for, for young people who would want to get into to get into this space and design the future and contribute to a cleaner greener more prosperous world what steps could you recommend young people taking at this stage to go into sort of the career path that that you that you've had so much success going down
1: well, I think I think that we, we all wear multiple hats. So one hat we wear is as a, uh, a consumer, and um, we can all change our lifestyles yeah. uh, to live in a more sustainable way. And I think by doing that, we then you get an awareness of products and services that are available to you if you want to live in a more sustainable way. So, uh, as a, for instance, I switched over from being a a normal meat-eater about two and a half years ago uh, to pretty much uh, switching over to a vegan diet. Uh, When I first switched over to it I found it a little bit difficult because not all the restaurants and supermarkets had food in that was that appealing Um, but over a period of time that's got better, there's more companies that are supplying better food, better vegan food, better options uh, so, and the more you understand about it, the more you know where to go. Uh, and the more, as a business person, you see the market opportunity for developing businesses to supply people that want to switch their lifestyles. So, I think I'd say to anybody, the first step is switch your lifestyle mm-hmm. uh, and you'll gain an awareness then of what what's out there. Um, and then you'll see gaps as a business person or an aspiring uh, entrepreneur, you'll see uh, gaps in the market, uh, and, and then it's really about coming up with a business plan that fills that gap, whether it's setting up a, a, a small business from home, a friend of ours uh, has got a little business called the Lincoln Veg Box, and or Veg Out Lincoln, uh, and she makes uh, vegan food at home, freezes it, and delivers it to lots of people great little business you know she's got aspirations to grow that so and obviously cooking is her expertise so whatever your expertise is you know it's about finding a niche uh, but these niches are going to grow massively and that I think that's the opportunity that people need to see so I think if you're starting out in business you know change your lifestyle look at what's out there look at what isn't out there look at what opportunities there are understand your own skill set, you know, I was a builder, I started off building, that's why, you know, I focused a lot of my time on building. As I learned more about business and did lots of other things, I became chairman of the City Football Club, through that I learned a lot about business and the very sort of aggressive nature of, of the sector of business, you know, running a football club is, you know, comes with lots of challenges. Uh, I, I bought a factory that went into the, to administration, so I bought it out of administration. Uh, the factory was losing a lot of money. Uh, they were making my rainwater harvesting systems, and you know, over a period of time, we learned how to run that business better, uh, and we've grown that from a factory that had 40 staff uh, to. A factory now over two sites with 120 employees it's a very profitable business uh, and we're making lots of products for the health sector so our guys are still working in there we're getting all the social distancing done down there uh, and we're able to keep production rolling um, and we make uh, water purification systems uh, we make uh, furniture for the NHS uh, we make furniture for prisons uh, we make a wide variety of products. We make vaccination fridges. We've, we've been pioneers working on vaccination fridges uh, that are solar powered. Wow. Uh, so lots of lots of different products and innovation that we we make for our partner customers. So we've got about 100 partner customers that we manufacture for. We're, we're the world's biggest manufacturers of sailing dinghies. Yeah, or not. Uh, <laughs> incredible. Uh, so we so yeah, it's about once you once you've learn how to run businesses then you know you can use those skills in different sectors um, and th- and then I think my advice to people that have got businesses uh, and that are probably sitting there at the moment and thinking you know the world's going to change what that, and a lot of businesses are quite rightly under a lot of pressure at the moment you know if you've uh, my, my brother works in a theater you know they got closed down weeks ago uh, them most likely to be the last people to be opened up again in terms of um, you know, different sectors. I would say it'll be a long time before we see theatres open again because they can't do the social distancing in theatres. So it's about finding other things to do with your your business whilst we're in this lockdown period. Uh, but also, I think, see the opportunities, the other side of it, and see how people's lifestyles are, are going to change and actually people are going to, perhaps want to live in a slightly different way in the future uh, and I think it will be potentially a more sustainable way and it needs to be
0: absolutely I think it, it's down to us now isn't it um, one of the parts of the school program that I'm running for this podcast at well, what running this podcast for in this this COVID-19 time is um it's empowering your purchasing it's it's educating young people and and anyone that it's we have the power we have the purchasing power we can choose what our supermarkets will supply us through our demand and i think more people showing support for the sustainability movement for the plant-based movement is 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 all the better and i've mentioned this in all the episodes that i've done so far it's um it, i learned a couple of months ago um for a couple of weeks sometime this year that the the ceo of blackrock and um, that investment company in in america he writes a letter to all the ceos around the world and he says um he said this year in his letter um it's no it's no good anymore companies just valuing profit and as you said that's the, the majority of the development industry it's if you don't have and yet yeah, larry think he says you have to have a purpose you have to have you have to have a people orientated environmental and an economical aspect to your to your to your bow. Otherwise, you are you're just gonna you're gonna sink in the water, and they won't have one of your dinghies by the sounds of it. So it's um yeah. so it's it, it's it's such a it's such an incredible kind of um time at the moment that we're coming through this this the climate crisis that we were coming up, oh, yeah, logger heading with, and people realizing that life had to change, and now COVID nineteen. It's um. It's almost a little bit of a blessing in disguise. And I don't say that lightly, as I said before, because of people who have lost their lives. But it's, um, it's yeah, I just want to be able to use this time to, to our best advantage. And I think that's, um, yeah, everything that you've just said so, so beautifully.
1: Yeah, I think it, it, yeah, it is certainly is a time of change. Uh, and obviously, the most important thing at the moment is that uh, people stay safe. Uh, that people have that support for uh, the NHS and and the respect for each other Uh, and I think what you'll see is you'll see far more communities coming together I mean yeah we are seeing that on the television all the time uh, that actually people's default position and it it obviously isn't everybody there's going to be individuals that uh, are going to you know do things that are wrong and take advantage and Uh, scam people and there'll be all sorts of stuff that goes on like that and we have to protect ourselves from those people and those people have to be dealt with but equally there's a vast majority of people that actually want to come together I think and Mm. support each other and what I'm seeing on our Woodlands Edge development and we're very spoiled because we've designed this whole development to you know sit To be a community and the community is working beautifully. You know, people supporting each other. Uh, Yesterday, people were out on their allotments growing food. Uh, You know, we're looking to share deliveries. So, we've got rather than deliveries coming again and again to site, you know, you've just got a delivery that's a multiple drop for people. You know, we have shared uh, tools and stuff here. So, I've got a shed on site that uh, has uh, shared lawnmowers and a rotavator in, and so people don't need to all own their separate equipment, you know, it's, there's a shared pool of equipment there. So it's about finding ways to, to share more limited resources while we're in lockdown, and it works really, really well. Uh, so I think the challenge is, you know, how can we uh, put the community back into, or the physical, physically design that those spaces Uh, Within existing communities. Um, In some ways, it's very easy as a developer to come up with a concept that's on a greenfield site or even the brownfield site with a new development uh, and create a development that's got the community in the heart of it. Uh, But a lot of our developments have already been built and people are already living there. And whilst people have got a desire to create a a social community, uh, there needs to be the physical aspects of it the green space and the community spaces uh that are found within those communities for people to physically meet up once Once people can start to meet up again so i think it what this has shown to me is the importance of community
0: absolutely is this where yeah what, could you talk about your your next venture the future now that you're moving towards is this with is this was your community inspiration the sort of the the inspiration for the education work that you're
1: yeah, that that was. Uh, uh, I've got I've got four children. Uh, it's a very quick story this one. Uh, so I've got four children. Uh, three went off to university. Uh, Georgia, my youngest daughter, uh, she went off. She she got off the place at um, Northumbria doing business studies, and she decided to defer it. She went off travelling, and we've all done a lot of travelling. I've, I've got a great passion for for proper travel and sort of responsible tourism and and living in different places and understanding different cultures. So she went off traveling and very quickly decided that she didn't want to go to university. She had three years traveling around the world, uh, working in different places. Uh, so worked her way around uh, and did all sorts of you know, what, as a parent, you might have thought were dangerous and bizarre things. She'd do uh, couch surfing in places like uh, Israel and uh, South America. And, you know, when your daughter's 18, 19, 20, you know, you could be quite nervous about it, but uh, we let her get on with it and she had a fantastic time, learned so much, uh, but didn't get any formal qualification. So we came up with a concept we uh, we've called Global Grad, which again is a community interest company. Uh, and the the concept is that people that want to study online, whether it's doing a full degree or doing a series of short courses, there's so much online uh, content, listening to podcasts you know, can be part of uh, an online sort of learning plan. Uh, and they can do that and travel the world at the same time. So when the shutters came down, we'd actually got a group, I got two of my daughters uh, with a group of students out in, well, they were in Thailand uh, as the curtain started to come down. Uh, then they were traveling through Cambodia uh, and, and then they managed to get into Vietnam and the plan was they were going to be in Vietnam for a month and they work out of co-working spaces so whatever they're studying they they go and sit in co-working spaces and meet local entrepreneurs and uh, get involved in responsible volunteering projects uh, and then the plan was they were going to travel down through Malaysia and finish off in Kuala Lumpur but the the border started to close, and so we had to fly them home. And it was a, a torturous uh, few days uh, with cancelled flights and all sorts of things happening. And in the, in the end, we managed to get them back uh, to the UK. So they're very focused now through Global Grad uh, in promoting online learning uh, to people that are sat at home. Uh, we probably won't be travelling again until we're thinking. Uh, it's probably going to be January really before we run another program.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we've got one penciled in for September, but whether that will actually happen or not, I don't know. Uh, but they're busy, uh, yeah, promoting online learning. And we've very much put the whole sustainability agenda at the heart of that. So, you know, the projects they get involved in, as they're traveling around the world, are very much focused on. Uh, Promoting sustainability in the areas that they're traveling to. So we, when when we, we were in Thailand, and uh, they got involved in a reforestation project, uh, and I've got uh, one girl that was wanting to do filmmaking. Uh, so we've made a, a little documentary, which they're just editing up at the moment, actually, uh, about the connection between the meat industry uh, and air quality. So. The forests around Chiang Mai, which is a wonderful place in North Thailand, uh, they, they stay there for a month on their travels. Um, it's surrounded by forests, and a lot of the farmers are burning the forests to clear the land, to grow corn for the meat industry. Mm. Uh, and so everybody, this was pre the coronavirus outbreak, uh, people walking around wearing face masks because the air quality is so bad but they're all eating meat, and there's no connection in people's heads between the fact that we all eat meat and we're actually having to burn and slash and clear land, uh, ruining the air quality, uh, to be able to sustain our supply of meat. Uh, So yeah, they're making a little documentary about that. So it's about getting involved in real projects and seeing the world from a different perspective, understanding different cultures, uh, and learning at the same time so exciting project
0: absolutely that sounds absolutely fascinating and you're so you're helping people be sustainable at home and you're also helping people st- travel sustainably and and learn while they're doing it it's, it's, you're coming at life from from every angle and helping people to be sustainable so it's just incredible to to chat to you and just hear about all the things that you're doing that's it's just amazing is there um is, is, is global grad? Is, have you ever heard of Mind Valley? It sounds similar to Global Grad. Sounds similar to um, the Mind Valley journey. There's an amazing guy who basically sets up like um, an online learning space, and he um, people go and listen. People go to lectures. The whole family can go on this one month like learning adventure. It's, it's absolutely incredible. I think maybe it, oh, right. Global Grad sounds like it could be it could be really suited and resonate hugely with with mind valley's mission it's, it's all about it's, i haven't
1: heard of it but we'll i'll, I'll look it up that sounds interesting oh, awesome. we, and we and again it's all about partnering so we want to partner with yes. as many organizations as possible
0: oh yeah mind valley might be might be a great shout i just wanted to to circle back on um one of the things you, you were talking about um the meat industry and, and air quality and going back to when you said that you wanted to be plant based it's i had this experience when i was um when i was at university i started meditating and i was met, i met this monk and he said to me um true happiness is thinking doing and saying the same thing and i think um it almost feels like this this journey that we're all on at the moment it's kind of a journey of discovery and it's 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 shocking really when when people realize things that they've been doing for so long are actually negatively affecting their their lives and undoing the good that everyone's striving to do every day to improve their lives and it's Mm -hmm. it's it's a big wake-up call when you realize something that you've done for a long time actually goes against your your core values and I think it's um yeah this is this is such an incredible journey and such an incredible time and it's yeah it's just it's, it's very, knowledge is very powerful, and just, i just have so much admiration and respect for, for Global Grad. I think that is it's incredible.
1: Yeah, it's an exciting project, really. So, very keen, really, to anybody who's listening into this, you know, do uh, link up with our social channels and get in contact with us if you've got uh, projects or uh, initiatives that uh, could tie into what we're doing with Global Grad. We certainly see it as a, a, a massive. Um, Need really uh, to effectively grow a, a support network for online learners. So there's going to be such a shift to learning online. You know, mm. you know we, we want the universities to be involved. The universities need to change their models going forward uh, and adapt their models. Uh, and you know, they they've got great resources, uh, but they just need to make changes. Uh, and online education you know is without doubt going to play a massive role in the future. Um, but that doesn't mean that physical contact and physical learning uh, in the in a more traditional way you know is dead and buried. It needs to be a combination of both. You know, you, that's 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 how we see it if, if you one of the things we sort of understood when I got into this whole area of online learning uh, was firstly that the quality of the content needed to be improved and it will be improved and it is improving without a doubt uh, but equally people that are learning online need to be part of a community and that needs to have the opportunity to be a physical physical community uh, alongside the digital community and that was really where the whole idea of global dad came from you know, so that we could bring people together a shared experience they can learn all the other skills that you learn theoretically you learn those when you go to university by being away from home and having to get on and sort stuff out for yourself Uh, well you can do that whilst you're traveling around the world and have a bit of shape and structure brought to it through uh, the the volunteering programs that we um, uh, we get involved with so and it makes people think differently Uh, you know, I I want our global grad students never, ever in their lives to go away on a package holiday where they stay in an all-inclusive hotel and never go outside because they're scared that, uh, that it's not safe. So they need to stay within the boundaries of a PLC-owned hotel, whereas they need to get out and, and connect with the local community, be part of the local community, make sure they're... Uh, their tourism money goes back into the local community uh, and supports the local community otherwise you know it's just not sustainable the the travel model we've got at the moment is not sustainable uh, and we'll need to change and i think people will want it to change after this
0: i agree i think it's it's going back to the the triple bottom line of everything really it's the it's people it's planet and it's it's the economy and how can how can we merge all of these important aspects together and basically yeah. get them through every yeah get them through every aspect in life that is important to us because it, it is it's people it's experiences and it's it's like you say one of one of your missions it's how can how can we help people how can we facilitate people to live a fantastic quality of life while also doing the, the best that they can for their environment and it's it's such an it's such an incredible and important mission could you um do a shout out to your websites where people can find you um with Gusto Homes and Global Grad?
1: Yep. So Glo- Global Grad is uh, globalgrads.com uh, com, uh, or follow our Instagram feed. That's uh, the most active feed we've got, uh, which is Global Grad HQ uh, on Instagram. Uh, we've got a YouTube channel as well. We've got lots of uh, blogs and uh, and YouTube films. Uh, that we've made, uh, the students have made. So the, the students that have just come back are busy making uh, videos or putting all their video content together uh, about what they've done, so people can actually see you know, real students out there, see what life is like when they got stuck in <laughs> Cambodia and they couldn't get across the border. Uh, they, I mean, they literally got out of Cambodia, uh, their visa stamped to come out of Cambodia, and then they couldn't get into Vietnam because uh, I think at the time Vietnam had just got uh, a case of uh, COVID-19 uh, and it was from an English couple uh, that were on holiday over there and so all of a sudden the sentiment towards uh, you know, white English uh, European people uh, in Vietnam had changed and they were really worried that our group and the group that they were with uh, had potentially got Uh, the coronavirus uh, so that they decided on the border crossing not to let them in in reality our guys have been out in southeast asia for six or seven weeks already so they've Mm. been a long way from the central coronavirus but yeah great experience to the students we managed to get them across the border in the end about three days uh to get new visas and uh, to go for tests uh, and then they managed to get into Vietnam, uh, and then you know their experience for about two weeks. I think they were in Vietnam before we had to fly them out. But uh, you know it was an interesting time for them over there to see how the Vietnamese people were dealing with uh, the coronavirus, and and in lots of ways more successfully than we have over here. I think two days ago they had no new cases over there, and, and I think that's you know in, in a lot of ways is down to the way that they run their society um, Yes. so yeah it's interesting fascinating
0: I agree with you I think that what different cultures have to offer is is yeah I'm a huge travel fan and um, enthusiast myself of sustainable travel I think it's um yeah what we can learn from each other in these times of adversity and and difficult difficulties is 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 so important and absolutely incredible it's it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you Steph. I'm so sorry i don't i could chat to you all day i don't want this to end but i'm <laughs> gonna have to, to wrap this up but it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for taking the time to come and to come and chat with me on the solutions for climate revolution podcast and for giving young people an insight into your incredible businesses your vision for the future and yeah an insight into what the world can be what it will be when we all work together so i just can't thank you enough for everything that you're doing for humanity it's just it's just wonderful
1: that that's very kind <laughs> uh, i know it doesn't feel too tough to be fair i'm sat out here uh, in beautiful sunshine uh, and yeah there's lots of uh, lifestyle benefits from living in a nice community and i think the main thing is that uh, is an opportunity for us all to shift towards living in a more sustainable way but actually do you know what it's actually a more enjoyable way Mm. uh it shouldn't be a tough sell for anybody Uh, and hopefully through this the the pain of this crisis uh, there will be some you know change of mindset amongst people to think that actually there's bits of that that i want to keep i do want to spend more time at home i do want a bit more quality time Uh, it is nice when the air quality is better and there's not so many planes flying over and there's not so many cars on the road uh, so hopefully uh, we'll all be incentivized to live slightly differently and um, businesses all shift and create new services uh, to create a nicer ecosystem than the one we've left behind
0: beautifully said absolutely beautifully said i think uh, i can't add anything to that i think it's just again thank you so much Steph it's just been an absolute pleasure and I wish you and all your family all the best and I hope especially your brother working in the theatre I hope he can I hope he can be okay through this this crazy time and yeah just thank you so much and hope to chat to you again soon and learn what Gusto and Global Grad are doing in the future it'd be wonderful to catch up and yeah keep
1: well we're very keen to work with local authorities uh, to get, so if, if you want to put us in contact with uh any of the local authorities in your area uh, so our Gusto Homes model is to partner with local authorities work with local construction companies because we don't think having one large construction company that covers the country is the way forward no. uh, so it's about uh, sort of bringing our design expertise and uh, development expertise and working with local authorities and with local construction companies to build better houses so um, yeah if you've got contacts in any part of the country or anybody who's listening to this you know uh, do put them in touch with us uh we're putting a good team of people together to roll that out uh and certainly will be one of the things that hopefully will improve the quality of houses and communities that we build in the future
0: oh that's fantastic i'll put my thinking cap on and um yeah get in contact with some of the officers at dorset council because it's um i think um I'm not. I'm not shy to say that there are definitely some developers down here that could could do with an injection of gusto. So it's. Um... <laughs> hey, nicely
1: said. Really <laughs> good to speak to you.
0: Thank you so much, Steph. All the best. Cheers and
1: bye.
0: Bye.